Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Podside, everyone. Uh, this is Carlo, of course. Uh, I am joined by Pete. Hey, Pete. Hey, man. And uh, we have a very special guest, uh, a returning guest, if you will. Uh, would you like to uh, step up to the mic, Connor? Hey, everybody. I think there's been some confusion. Uh, I've never been on this podcast before. In fact, I've never even listened to this podcast uh, but I did buy a, like a huge box full of really shitty pulp novels from some weird guy in Kansas and he had a strange proposal for me and now I'm here. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Uh, and, and mind all that folks, uh, Connor sadly, uh, was off on some, uh, deserted Island, got hit on the head with a coconut and suffered the stereotypical amnesia that we always see on these TV shows. So uh, eventually he'll, it'll all come back to him. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, and today we're going to be talking about, uh, love, death and robots season two. Um, so yeah, uh, this is actually, uh, it's 10 episodes less than the first season. And I'll just say right off the bat that I think it, it, it really works at, at, with less is more in this case, but, uh, Anyway, uh, I don't want to get ahead of anyone else's uh, opinions on this. What did you, uh, uh, Connor? What did you think of it this season? Because you had you had uh, really uh, started the ball rolling with the first season. Yeah, I mean, let me. I, this is funny. I'm having flashbacks now. Now that I'll, I'll break character and say um, I'm reflecting on when we recorded, recorded our first Love, Death, and Robots episode, which I guess was back in almost two years ago. And I remember that day because I was coming back from jury duty in Manhattan, which is always an adventure back when I lived in New York, ancient history uh, was kind of tipsy for that episode. And I remember like, really liking, you know, what, what like Pete had like been prodding me for a while to watch them. And uh, I watched a handful and I was like, Oh, I got to watch all of these. Cause they're actually really good. And I think, you know, at the time I said, I had a lot of fondness for this kind of format. Um, and I still do. And I, I, I totally agree with you, Carlo, that, Less is more here. I think eight episodes, none of which is even 15 minutes long. They range kind of from like, you know, five, six minutes to like 12 minutes. Um, I There's just something about that. Like the idea that you should have be able to have bite-sized entertainment, like sort of the, mm-hmm. the realistic view of how people consume stories where it's like, yeah, sometimes you just want to hop in for like a well-produced 12-minute thing with a character that is essentially none of these, I think one of the things that really stands out to me this season, they didn't really try to develop any characters in any of these. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but there's just like such incredible flatness, but the, the concepts are all interesting. They're all really well produced. The animation is, you know, differs and is interesting. Um, and it's mostly just about like burying out a cool 
concept over like 12 minutes. And I really enjoyed them on the whole. Yeah. Uh, I would like to observe that this should have been called maybe love death or robots. (laughs) (laughs) Very few of these had all three. Well, that's true. Well, even, even, I think even the one that had the robot is she, she ends up not being a robot. She's just sort of like a cyborg. Oh yeah. And then, um, the, the, the Scalzi one had death and robots, but I mean, I didn't love it. Let's be honest. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Pete? <laughs> you, you didn't, you didn't think, uh, Scalzi's, uh, uh, quote humor uh, end quote uh, was good in this one. <laughs> I think Scalzi is a fine talent who might not be. Uh, I, I I'm not I'm not sure humor should be his focus. It was the one that he did was like very epic, farking amaze balls like tonally, you know. Um, <laughs> and that's what Pete's pointing at. And I actually I found the ending of it kind of charming, but it was like. Just like, you know, a robot AI rebellion story done in a very cutesy way. And probably none of these, I would say, had a ton of substance, although the the one with the giant on the beach was very poignant. Um, mm-hmm. But the Scalzi one probably had the least substance and felt the most phoned in. I think some of these were actually quite remarkable. And I mean, I'm probably getting ahead of ourselves here. But I found the, the giant on the beach one. I hope we can talk about that at some point because that was actually oh. like... Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I have, I have precisely two, uh, two of the stories here really stood out to me, and there's a couple other ones that are, that are almost to that level um, for me. And one of them is the the, the drowned giant, which is a, if I'm not mistaken, that's a Ballard story. So, um, oh. I gotta go check him out. So, Connor, before we go any deeper, there is something I want to cover because our fans have brought it up again and again, and that is I would like you to emphasize that you are alive and not away from Twitter against your will. (laughs) Um, Yes. Pete and Carla have not done anything to me. Uh, (laughs) I'm good. Honestly, guys. I'm great. I just, I I sort of hit a wall back in February and I'd previously kind of hit a wall where, I mean, I don't want to get too much detail, but just, just burnout in general in the midst of COVID and had a lot of the same, I think COVID era moments that everyone else did. Cause like everybody, it seems like in some capacity is asking like, do I really want to be doing what I'm doing? That seemed to happen over the course of the last year. And um, I just had to make some changes. One of which was not being on Twitter so much. I may come back at some point. But uh, I hope you're all having fun without me. And it's really, I also want to be more positive and say it's really nice to come be back on this pod. Because um, one of the things I really like to do to enjoy is talking to our subscribers in, I mean, I say our, uh, it's really more your guys' now, but like subscribers in the Discord chat. Um, I'm really proud of the community around this podcast. And I'm proud to have had a, a hand in starting it, even though I'm not really participating as a host anymore. Um, so I'm honestly doing great. I would say that though I'm hungover today, I'm probably <laughs> the last few weeks, I've probably been happier in a more conventional sense than I have been in a long time. So no one needs to worry about me, I guess is the main point. Well, and the other thing is like, I don't want to, I don't want to steal your thunder here, Connor, but we do, this is sort of the announcement of Connor's upcoming book about COVID called Love in a Time of Plague. <laughs> 
Yeah, I thought it would be really, you know, you don't hear a lot about people wanting to talk, you know, write write sort of memoirs or autofiction about COVID. No one else is doing that. So I figured, you know, I would just sort of record <laughs> mundane details of my life. I actually, I will, I will give a sneak peek here. I'm not going to say too much about it. I have a, do have a new fiction project that's going to be, I think, weirder than anything I've done and does involve robots. So it's kind of pertinent to what we're talking about. It definitely, it definitely folds in some of my sci-fi interests and some of my gothic interests that were developed um, through hosting the show. And, and I, 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 I'm going to loop around and repeat myself again, but honestly, it's really, it's really fun to come back and talk about this stuff with you guys, because I had a lot of fond memories flooding back when I was watching these episodes, probably made me like these episodes more than they deserved in a lot of cases, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's good to be here. Ah, yes. Goth bots. I, I love it. I love the concept. <laughs> Indeed, it's just basically a, a host of Marvins from uh, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Well, I mean, it's it's about it's about machines that feel nothing but sadness. Absolutely. Oh, That's you know what? Concept, uh, you know what? Uh, actually, I'll, I'll 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 up that ante, Pete. They're machines who we offload our sadness into, and so therefore they feel sadness for us. There you go. See, there's the there's the class conflict there. Mm. We're writing a pretty good <laughs> short story here, guys. This is this is promising. <laughs> I, I I did miss this. I won't lie, Connor. <laughs> I miss it too. And I uh, I don't want to make I don't want to overpromise, but I do hope I can uh, circle back and be on the show a little bit more than I have been the last several months. Because um, it is sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting sentimental here. But uh, maybe I should say something about these these episodes. Um, I I want to let you guys lead on. I haven't heard much from Pete yet about his opinions, but uh, I I think this is a really cool project. I hope it goes kind of in, in perpetuity, partly because the idea of putting short stories on screen with high production values and not worrying about anything other than here's a good piece of content, enjoy it, is should not be so unusual in our society, but it is. And I think this is one of the best like bastions of just sort of Honest storytelling for the purpose of entertainment, not really going after any kind of depth or social utility or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, and it, you 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 mentioned bite sized, and I thought immediately of Quibi and 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 sort of shuddered a little <laughs> bit. But um, thankfully, this is sort of like uh, bookended, so you, you do get like uh, uh, a, an overarching sort of concept that holds everything together instead of like a bunch of disparate little nuggets of something i don't know well one of the things if if i if i could be a pompous ass for a moment well one of the things that uh our new reality with social media and so on is done with us is we've become obsessed with the idea of virality and so so many things we build to try and bring interesting stories and experiences in the world are also designed to grow like cancer, to metastasize. And having something that is like these these nice curated little pieces stuck in a row that you can I mean it's 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 almost like a Pez dispenser of good stories. And I like that very much. Yeah, I think there's I was I've been trying to th- put my finger on what my emotional response is to watching these, and it's like yeah, they're all different tonally and stuff. Some are really quirky and funny. Some are really sad. Some are really violent and scary. But like, I have a similar emotion at the end of all of them. And there's something like I have a Pavlovian response to the like the little kind of beep boop, you know, intro to these shows. Um, 
And I think what it is, I think you nailed it, Pete. It's relief. I have a sense of relief at the start and at the end because I'm like, okay, I am unburdened of any responsibility to like, you know, talk about this on social media as if it's the most important thing happening in society at the moment. I am unburdened of like, you know, what is the broader significance of this to like all of my, you know, friends who are writing or trying to write or whatever. I'm unburdened of having to watch hours and hours of this. I am simply like, there's just this like endorphin release where I'm like, okay, that maybe, maybe it was kind of bad. Maybe it was kind of good. Maybe it was great, but ah, it's just a story and now it's over. <laughs> you mean Connor, you, 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 you don't want to see a bunch of YouTube uh, videos that are like, you know, the 17 hints that you missed in episodes two of <laughs> Love, death, and robots. I, I think Zack Snyder should do one of these. That's two days long. <laughs> <laughs> Just a twenty-four hour viewing period. Oh well, I think there is something interesting. You can kind of divide this season, especially, into two categories. One category would be there's a few of these that are kind of narratively have enough narrative heft to them that they could very easily kind of unfold into like a feature film, like the one Snow in the Desert, which is one of my favorite ones. Um, the guy who can regenerate and he's like in a, you know, a desert planet and there's bounty hunters and it's, you know, it's very short and snappy as all of these are. Um, there's a little bit of character development, probably the most, you know, only two of these, that one and the one that's like on the Russian ice planet with the frost whales have like, you know, characters interacting as characters, I would say. Um, I'd, I'd say you could, uh, to a lesser extent, you could put pop squad in that category. I mean, I could see that being longer than it is, though it's perfect as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, which one is that? Uh, the uh, uh, immortality the, baby, baby yeah, the, police. The the world being. Oh run yeah, by that's our, a good one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The, the the world the world that's run by our child free people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting because it's like uh, we're all you know we're all childless adults, all three of us, um, and like I think anyway. Uh, yes, and yeah, I was like, oh, have I committed the terrible faux pas here? We all think. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, we all, we all, we all, we're all uh, reasonably certain, but uh, yeah, we no, all no, no legal like, action has told me otherwise. So, <laughs> <laughs> but we also have like visceral revulsion at that. I mean, it is revolting. They're mur- murdering children. I mean, it's it was that was pretty. That was a pretty grim one. But it was like, yeah, Blade Runner meets Elysium, which is a movie that should have been way better than it is. Meets a bunch of like sci-fi stories, and so that was one that could have been a feature film. I think you could divide these neatly between those those ones that are like, yeah. There's a feature film in there or a miniseries or a novel. And the ones that are like, okay, this is really just a concept. Like the one with Michael B. Jordan, like where he says like seven lines of dialogue. That's just a concept. Right. And it's a cool one. Yeah. But well, I, I, I was going through and sort of um, listing like the, that one, the life hutch with uh, Michael B. Jordan playing a, a virtual Michael B. Jordan. Cause that's, that's the, f- the, the weirdest thing about this is I was like looking up some of the, um, some of the more um, uh, sort of photorealistic uh, CGI that they're doing here. And they're just basically CGIing the people into these uh, roles. And you're like, well, okay, <laughs> that's sort of weird. You could have done something else. Uh, uh, Snow in the Desert is one that um, that is is like that. Uh, just to be clear, uh, but the the Life Hutch one with Michael G. Jordan was a story by Harlan Ellison of all people. Hmm. I am going to say that that's probably not. Uh, I'm I haven't read it, but I, based on what I saw, it's probably not quite 
the best of his uh, output, I would say. I, I, it sort of reminded me of of one of the season one ones. The the I think it was it was Marco Clues. It was the 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 military one with the werewolves. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. The, yeah, okay, maybe there's a story. Maybe there's not a story. Sit the hell down and watch some animation. Kick ass was sort of the vibe, and I, I'm okay with that. I mean. The nice thing about getting a sampler platter is, yeah, one of them's going to be cherry cordial, and you won't like it so much. But there's one right after. <laughs> yeah, excuse I mean, it's me. Well it's, the, it's the it's the raspberry cream, Pete. Chocolate and raspberry cream. Sorry, man. Like I would say, I I really enjoyed the worst one here. I well, in my opinion, the worst one was all through the house. Okay, you know the the Santa Claus one, and you know I. I, I disagree, Pete, but but go ahead. Oh, well, I mean, like the whole thing is it's just a bit. It's like uh, Santa Lovecraft is pretty much what you you need to know about it. But I mean, I thought it was funny and it didn't overstay its welcome. That's I think that that's where I I, I agree with you that it's probably not the best. Uh, it, it's probably only um, only superseded in how sort of meh it sort of left me. Uh, by the scalzy one <laughs> but see the scalzy one's too long and this one's just right it's like about four minutes it's not even four minutes i'm sorry it's like three or four minutes or something to that effect uh it's very short it doesn't overstay its welcome like you said and uh you know <laughs> brevity is the soul of wit uh some guy said yeah and i i mean that one is just very straightforward, very short, very silly, but also kind of scary. And I appreciated that, like the the monster was a clear homage to the thing, um, <laughs> uh, John Carpenterian thing. Um, so I, I think I'm trying to think of what my least favorite one was. I mean, the Michael B. Jordan one was like fine. It was so insubstantial. It was like I don't know why they got a true A list movie star for that. I assume for marketing purposes, but it's like they probably had to pay him. I presume a lot of money for that. And all that happened was, you know, space, space fighter crashes. You try to survive on the planet. You fight a robot in the survival place and then you survive, <laughs> which yeah. I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think that the, there is, there is a lot of, um, a lot of variety in the uh, people that they chose for the different uh, stories. But yeah, I think probably Michael B. Jordan's probably the, the most well-known right now i mean there is a elodie young who uh has shown up i I don't think she's as well known she's not quite superstar but she was uh she's played a bunch of stuff including um uh electra from uh the daredevil netflix show so uh i mean there's 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 some good talent in here honestly um did you want to you know which one um I'm sort of on the fence about it. I, I feel like that's the exact uh, sort of mid median score for me, or, you know, like sort of like just enough good, just enough eh, that it, I, I'm sort of torn on it is the one about the tall grass. So um, I've been waiting for someone to come and measure my windows to replace them because they're from the 1950s. And I had no idea when this was person was going to show up. So they're here now. Periodically, I may, may disappear for a couple of minutes. <laughs> well, you know what, uh, Pete? Uh, since we're on a podcast, I don't think anyone's going to notice that you disappeared. Well, I mean, like, really, it's not my takes they're here for, Carla. So I'm sure it's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> we 
when Pete leaves, all the listeners are asking, where's Pete? When's Pete going to chime in? So, <laughs> Oh, no. They did it to Pete, too. First Connor, <laughs> yeah, now Pete. It's just Carlo now. He's taken over fully. Um, I, I, I've just, I'm just basically the thing, you know, just the podcasting thing. You integrate all of us. That's if funny. you'll tolerate it, I'll just show up and talk occasionally and you guys keep it going. Is that legit? Oh, yeah, that's fine by me, man. Yeah, sure. I have infinite capacity to bullshit about stories. Um, the grass one, like I'm a sucker for it, right? Because like predictably, you know, I'm interested in westward expansion. I'm interested in rail. Um, and it's kind of like late 19th century or mid 19th century, somewhere in there. Guy mm-hmm. in a stylish three-piece suit on a passenger train through the prairie, probably somewhere near where Pete lives in Kansas. Um and, you know, runs into interdimensional zombies or whatever. Spoiler alert. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. But, like, you know, I'm a sucker for, like, those aesthetics. Uh, and I like the concept of getting lost in tall grass, partly because when I went to my grandparents' farm in Virginia recently, uh, the, the grass in their biggest pasture, some of it was up to my neck, which, you know, I'm 6'1". That's, that's some pretty mm-hmm. tall <laughs> some pretty tall grass. So... I just like that kind of that use of a very specific landscape, which is the sort of tall grass, shimmering sea of grass prairie. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it's exactly the type of horror story that, you know, is going to happen because, um, because as soon as the conductor tells dude, yeah, you can smoke a cigarette out here, but, uh, you know, just don't go into the tall grass and, you know, Dun dun dun! Of course, he's going to go into the call, into the tall grass to, you know, have the story happen because otherwise, you know, how else would it happen? <laughs> and it's it's sort of funny because of that. Um, I I think that this is one of those that, for me at least, uh, it hints. I think it pulls it off mostly. Uh, it hints at a larger story without leaving you feeling that it's uh incomplete in a way like it doesn't feel like it's truncated from some larger piece or something like that uh and i do feel that there's a couple of other stories here that do feel a bit like that yeah i I think that's an interesting point that gets to the heart of you know kind of what i was teasing a little earlier which is like because we live in this really expansive storytelling culture where everything has to he said metastasize, but everything has to grow into like, obviously you can't even do a standalone feature film anymore. Right. We all know this. Um, mm-hmm. And so you'd be prepared to unfurl an entire world uh, for any, especially for, for narratives like this science fiction narratives um, as we all know. And I think that leads some of these writers, you know, all of whom are talented and all these pieces are interesting in some way. A lot of them, yeah, they don't know where to draw those boundaries around the world. Like I liked snow in the desert. There's obviously a lot there that, you know, it felt like it wanted to be a feature film and it, it just simply wasn't. I think about the one, I forget what it's called. It's the the ice world, frost whales, augmented teens. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like yeah. a Gattaca thing where you have like the one genetically engineered, perfect sibling and the one that's not engineered. And like what struck, what struck, what struck me about that was like, okay, they posit this whole complicated universe where, but the, but the main the main conceit of the plot, which is that this one kid is not augmented, is just asserted, never explained. It's like he just happens to not be. And it's like, well, why? If that's such a big problem, mm-hmm. and and that to me is just an example of like basic storytelling. Like you don't know how to tie up those loose ends in the specific space you've been given, and you know that's that's 
I'm nitpicking, but these are serious problems. You know, if you if you're gonna get serious here. You know, uh, the the that that one's called Ice, um, uh, and it's also done by uh, a a rather recent, like super prolific author called Rich Larson. Like he exploded onto the scene within, I want to say, like the last five years or so. Um, and uh, he's he's got a lot of good stuff out there. Uh, obviously, when you when you have a lot of stuff, not all of it's going to hit. I didn't find that the the reasons for uh, Sedge, which is the unmodified uh, brother, um, to to really sort of. It, I didn't really think of it in that way. I I wasn't like worried about it because I I figured oh so this is the premise okay, um, and and we don't get a lot of backstory so I mean and that's fine because it's really a, a small piece and it's more about I felt uh, the bonds between the brother who is modified and the one who is not, and uh, the the fact that the entire. Uh, story revolves around this fact that supposedly Sedge helped his modified brother who failed this one time. Uh, it brings them closer together until the ending where you're like, perhaps he did, unless. <laughs> unless? Yeah, and it's a, you know, a pure Gattaca ripoff in that way, right? I wasn't saving anything for the swing back. Um, but that's which is fine. <laughs> that, you know, we always, we always steal premises and conceits like that. But um, yeah. And I think to circle back to the train one, what I found really interesting, I think that was good storytelling in my mind in the sense that how do you kind of restrict the scope of those questions? Well, I think one of the classic tricks is you restrict it to what the characters can know, right? So you have the conductor who has experienced this before and has some info and some theories, but is still saying, look, I have an idea of what this is, but it's still kind of a mystery. No one's going to believe us. And it's like, all right, in doing that, you've kind of, you've tightened epistemological scope right of what we're doing of what can be known and you've yeah. anchored it in the characters I, sorry i'm nerding out about craft here but i think that some of these just handle those little points of like short story craft really well and some were a little more clumsy and i find that interesting um yeah yeah i, I mean i agree uh it, although i will say that uh uh, the first time i saw the tall grass one where the conductor says well you know we don't really know and you know maybe it's this maybe it's that and that that's fine, but it also, for whatever reason, my nitpicky brain went like, it's it's the grandpa from the Lost Boys going like, one thing I couldn't stand about Santa Carla, <laughs> <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> and it 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 is sort of funny uh, because he he does also become like a Deus Ex Machina type of figure in the in the story itself, um, which is fine. It's I, I don't I, I'm not trying to. Uh, uh, you know, cut it down to size or anything like that. I think it's perfectly fine. Uh, and, and like I said, I think it's like exactly the median where it's just good enough, but there's something there that was not quite as satisfying for me. And for instance, uh, if we want to talk about like pop squad, my two were pop squad and uh, the drowned giant. Uh, those are the two that really were the real standouts for me. And I feel like both of those hint at a larger world without making it like it's, it's very well contained um, in, in pop squad. It's very well contained in the drowned giant. It's not even really relevant. It's there's a drowned giant. No one knows where he came from. 
there's scientists studying it and they're just observing the drowned giant. And it's so just simply the image and the idea behind it. Uh, and the fact that I wrote an entire story that has a gigantic creature in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably resonated with me. So, you know, guys, I have two announcements. The first one. <laughs> okay. Ah, yeah. There we go. And the second one is Podside is changing its focus. We're now going to be Podside window replacements because it turns out that's 900 bucks a window and we are in the wrong business, ladies and gentlemen. Damn, bro. <laughs> Got to get some wow. merch, Pete. Uh, Podside windows. Uh, your window into a new world. Uh, yeah, now is an amazing time to be a contractor, I suspect, for everything I'm hearing. So, yeah, we... Uh, <laughs> We media media is it's a dismal time to be in media podcasting. So, yeah, I mean, how hard if if you get the skill set to run cast and get content out? I mean, how hard can it be really to like learn a totally you know different set of craft skills? It takes like a decade to acquire. Not that hard, right? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we we could always just also have podcast uh, like the Podside Picnic, uh, uh, the Matrix cartridges. Just plug them into your your brain. Now you can repair windows. <laughs> and uh, as we speak i'm very focused on what we're doing and i'm googling replacing your own windows <laughs> <laughs> there we go folks um well well I, pete you know you could always go old school and just have like um what is it oiled oiled leather just flaps uh keeping the 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 dust out and whatnot so you know i may <laughs> just buy a bunch of those glass bricks and fuck it just glue them in right <laughs> there's a thought that would make your house incredibly creepy and weird which you know it's in the spirit of the podcast so oh, i mean like it, it used to be a rental so you can't make it look scarier <laughs> <laughs> that's true you're going to be discovering weird damage and like things covered up by like you're going to discover all kinds of fun things in an old house like that i can't wait maybe a door to another dimension we'll never see you again that's when Carlo will truly ascend. <laughs> I found a, a wild mystery in my old house in, in Minneapolis. I, I was tearing out a wall to, to redo part of the kitchen, and I found a stack of bird bones, a newspaper, and an, an empty bottle of gin. And I did some research, and I found out that the Eastern European workmen who worked in that area at the time that you know they were building these houses would wall in animals as sacrifices okay well that's suitably gothic and creepy that's i love it yes I, i've been i've been haunted by birds bird ghosts oh no there's plenty of reasons why chickens would be upset with me so i mean it's not like it would make it worse <laughs> that's that is that's pretty 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 grim pretty morbid uh <laughs> um speaking of grim and morbid well actually morbid but not grim to, to circle back to the, the giant thing i agree carla that's my favorite i think kind of going away um i like snow in the desert just because it's a cool there was some nice sort of poignancy to that mm -hmm. there's a there's a running theme in a lot of these of you know kind of living too long or living beyond existing beyond the bounds of human mortality um and reflecting on what it would mean to die and of course Drowned Giant's fascinating uh, to, to set the scene for people. You said it's a J.D. Ballard story. It's like it posits some like town in the northwestern coast of England, some humble place and a gigantic, you know, naked human washes ashore dead. 
And at first to Marvel, and then people just sort of dismember him for, you know, <laughs> for whatever set of reasons, vandalism, acquiring uh, trophies, etc. And I am, the, the tone of it is just very, it's not sort of like, it's not scary, it's not hysterical, it's just sort of like, it's just reflective, I think is the best way to put it. It's very pensive. It's narr- narrated by the scientist who's just reflecting on the, the nature of all this. And it's like a tone piece, really. And I think that's actually a really good use of this kind of like high powered animation is just to just to contain a, a sort of feeling, you know, and, and flesh that out in your aesthetics is a really cool way to, to handle these. Yeah. Did, did you notice uh, the, the tie back speaking of because uh, I, I didn't notice this, I think, the first time around. But this time I noticed that the same shop where um where the investigator goes to find the plush dinosaurs in pop squad uh called ipswich collectibles is right next to the butcher shop in in yeah. um the 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 drowned giant and i was like oh that's that's kind of cool uh what i did notice that actually and i'm so I'm glad you brought it up yeah there's a, there probably there might be some more easter eggs hidden in these uh if we were to if we were kind of map it out we can spend like you know 12 hours doing our YouTube video of like, you know, 11 Easter eggs. <laughs> <Fifth>. missed it. <laughs> the true ending of the drowned giant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Explained. You're like, what, what's there to explain, buddy? <laughs> yeah, like, it's a truly, short story. Like, yeah. And I think what I like about that, I don't know how close it is to the Ballard. I could read that story, but like, I did appreciate that. It was like, all right. Yeah. This, this Marvel happened. And then people truly just kind of, they react with the first with wonder, then with a sort of pragmatic or callous dismembering, and then they forget about it and life yeah. goes on, which is a great, yeah. Well, I, I, you can, you can, uh, you can sort of see how he probably uh, maybe saw this happen himself or read about it somewhere, you know, like, uh, you know, how many times has a whale come ashore and they just sort of like chop it up into pieces and it's a beautiful leviathan of the deep you know it's it's a wonder of the world that, that was once alive and is now not and people eventually just you know eh, you know just break it up for parts and, and you know and then you forget about it it was never on the beach anyway right and the thing that he doesn't quite say in this one but i think is is true of the whale thing it's like yeah it's this incredible thing you got to cut it up before it <laughs> stinks up your oh, entire yeah. you know, like town <laughs> well yeah i mean also i was like sort of thinking to myself this time around i was like how long has this been going on? Cause man, that thing's got to stink. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, uh, maybe, maybe the, uh, that scene where he, he comes back after a while and the side is just ripped open, uh, could have been either strategically done or it may have just been gassed at vented, but you know, like there's this guy <laughs> that's just has little, his little home, his little mobile home and a bunch of little, uh, trash can fires set around it and you're like going dude man that must stink to high heaven you're sitting yeah. right next to this guy <laughs> like within and 100 it, yards i should say and everything about it is just so self-consciously english and the guy's like boy mate <laughs> like, yeah yeah uh, it's very evening evening up. uh it's everything about it was very it was very charming i think charm like think about like things that you're going for in like a you know a 10, 12 minute piece. It's like, all right, we want to charm. We want to do like one distinctive thing that isn't just like totally generic repetition. And all these, I think stories are well chosen and they all have like some conceit, some aspect of them. That's like, okay, I haven't, I haven't seen that exact thing in a sci-fi story before. Like, uh, 
life life hutch it's like which is super generic life hutch is incredibly generic but that he can shine the flashlight on the robot's body and then its heat seeking mechanisms will lead it to destroy itself i was like oh i haven't seen that precise thing before right so that kind of that kind of carries you uh as far as you yeah. can go it's like charm and tone and something distinctive and i think you're good and you know high production values I mean, uh, it is sort of uh, funny though, because when he started doing that, I was thinking to myself, "Oh, so so this is just basically like laser pointer and a cat, except it's a robot, right? <laughs> a robot that doesn't <laughs> know enough not to like strike with killing force." <laughs> That's a good point. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> it is sort of funny though. Uh, I mean, it, it works fine. I, it, it while it's happening, it's it's not something that. Like initially when I was watching it, it wasn't something I immediately thought about, but you know, once you reflect on it, you're like, seems a little weird. (laughs) I don't know. But uh, I mean, otherwise uh, you do want to have, you know, the the human character actually, uh, you know, be able to survive and not be killed by the, the, the robot that's supposed to be actually helping him. Uh, unless it's, uh, did he break into like a, a an enemy, uh, a stat, like an enemy life hutch? Who knows? Who knows? It looked like when, when that one, when they were attacking, when his like squadron was doing, you know, uh, space war, they were attacking something that looked like the, uh, the shape, the sort of starfish mass from blind sight. It's just sort of this mm. like pulsing organic thing, but who knows? Mm. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I think that the. Uh, like you said, I think Snow in the Desert has a lot of really great um, imagery. Um, uh, story-wise, I think Pop Squad has a very, very... And this is, a, a by the way, uh, Pop Squad was a, a Bashikalupi uh, short story. So uh, just mm. goes to show like some of the, the craft that he, he was able to, to bring to short stories. Um, the fact that he has that recurring sort of the plushie, which is a dinosaur, which, you know, seems to be metaphorical in some way. Hmm. I wonder what, what that's all about. Uh, <laughs> you think it symbolizes something, Carlo, perhaps? I don't know. Perhaps. I don't know. You know what? Maybe it's a Christ metaphor. I hear those are very popular in fiction. <sighs> yeah, in- indeed. That yeah, Pop Squad was like the one where um, I felt like it was the most kind of fleshed out. That might have been the best from like a craft like in terms of like telling a story and positing a world. Cause like, again, drown giant is kind of like a tone piece. Um, I thought pop squad was very well handled and sort of a great twist on the kind of blade. Like a lot of it's borrowing from blade runner pretty explicitly, mm-hmm. but much, yeah. much grimmer than blade runner. <laughs> yeah. Well, it also has like some of the, I did like the fact that it looked like blade runner, but sort of through a dark city filter. Yeah. Dark city. That's a good pull. Um, yeah, and, and I love the idea of like not understanding why people would choose to have children, and and then this woman being like, "Because I don't love myself enough to just want to live forever." Great, uh, great yeah. interaction there. Yeah, no, I I think that 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 um, it, it's one of those great things that you can pull off in a short story where you have the two characters that embody two different philosophies, just sort of uh, almost textually engage in those philosophies directly without really trying to hide it too much, you know? Uh, and that was, that was a really good, like that's a perfect example of how you can pull that off, you know? 
Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point about short stories generally, especially genre short stories, which is that like you can get away in a short piece with kind of staging that exact just sort of standoff between characters who are like fully representative. They're just there to embody something or even just to sort of like, like they don't have to acquire, you know, character depth over the course of 300 pages. They don't have to have all these ins and outs. Um, It's good if they change a little bit, they have to face some adversity, whatever, but like you can just have that encounter because you can have a short story that's just like truly is one encounter and it can just be sort of laden, not so much with like our emotional investment in the characters as in our investment in the ideas that they stand for, like you described. I think that's a really interesting possibility for shorter pieces. Um, and yeah. and seeing the way that, that this season kind of harnesses that, I'm, I'm even more hopeful for season three because I feel like this is a series that is uh, coming into its own and understanding what it does well. So I think it'll only get better, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, uh, if if they keep it, I think if they keep it within the eight, eight at most ten episodes, I think that they can probably, you know, put in some really good work, uh, and and probably you know that will allow them to stretch the budget so they can pull like a season two again. Because honestly, I think that even the ones that I did not particularly like or were not quite the best in this season. Um, I'm willing to enjoy them uh, in part because they have other, other things, right? Which is, you know, either they're, they're short, they don't wear out their welcome. There's something interesting that they're doing, you know, and, uh, and the fact that you can sort of power through the entire season in about an hour is definitely something that appeals to me. Yeah, I mean, especially like <laughs> I will say, this season of Love, Death, and Robots, I can say in the most literal sense, is a great way to spend an afternoon when you're hungover. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> As you have well attested to, sir. Um, <laughs> Appreciate you testing that out for us. Yeah, I mean, I was just just doing my job here. <laughs> you you were the test audience for that particular demographic. Thank you, thank Precisely. you for yeah yeah. Thanks for for volunteering, Connor. Um, so, uh, I guess do we do we have any last thoughts? Anything? Any big takeaways? Uh, I, I honestly, I do think that uh, that it was a a wise and probably uh, the best thing that they did, where they left, they ended with the Drowned Giant, which is such an evocative piece for me. Cause I, I honestly, like I, I finished watching this and I'll probably, uh, you know, like a, a couple I think like a month ago or so. And I could not stop thinking about that damn story, uh, for, for a couple of days. It just kept on coming back up and I was like, man, I'm really thinking about this. I, I have uh, something I'd like to point out, which is it is an appropriate homage to what we've watched to make this one of our shorter episodes. I mean, like this go, is, go. they, they're demonstrating the value of a crisp, tight product. And today we're delivering on that. All right. Less is well, often I guess more, which uh, it's kind of ironic that we had, you know, all three pod side hosts uh, together in this episode. It should just should just been uh, Pete monologuing about Windows. That would have been the ultimate minim- minimalism. <laughs> so, it sounds like a bit from old Letterman, you know. Uh. Are we leaving that in, by the way? <laughs> 
<laughs> I think we should. It was good. It's good tape. Fuck I mean, it's up to yeah. you guys, but yeah, I'm 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 all about it. Let's let's bring some. Uh, this is Podside Veritas. Uh, you know, you've heard of Cinema Veritas. Now you're getting it in audio, folks. In Window Truth. There you Indeed. go. Indeed. It sounds like we're winding down, and so I just want to say thanks to you both for uh, welcoming me back on to the show that I will confess I have been on before. And uh, thanks. I want to shout out everyone listening and just say, like, um, really, you know, I I see it mostly through the Discord now because I'm not on Twitter. But, like, I'm really, really pleased with um, the little community that we've built uh, that I had a hand in building. And now now these guys are are shepherding it. and it's really great to jump to that Discord. It's it's one of the few online spaces where people can have real discussions and act like adults and be interesting without anyone, without being just, yeah, I mean, I don't need to fill it in for those of you that are on the internet at all. Um, and that's really great to see. And it's great to, it's great to pop back in. It's been fun. Well, now, now that you said that, I'm going to go in there and start a shouting match, Connor, just to <laughs> line things up. Um, I jinxed that. No, that's not, that, that's not true. That's not true. Oh, I, I don't have anything much more to say, except uh, we'll, we'll, hopefully we'll see you back soon, Connor. Um, thanks for yeah. coming on to, to watch more Love, Death, and Robots. Or I as Pete it. said, Love, Death, and or Robots. And or Robots. Um, yeah, thank you guys. It's been great. All right. Well, if that's it, uh, Pete, you have any last things? Or are you off... Uh, taking care of t- taking care of business yeah that's that's probably where i'm going next but no i i think i think this was covered really well uh, i don't know if we explicitly said that but you people should go watch this yes please yeah, do definitely watch it all right well uh thanks all for listening in and thank you all for um coming to talk to us about uh connor and pete thanks for talking to me about love death and or robots and uh we'll catch you next time on Podside, folks see ya